the Switch Middle School Ministry Podcast. These messages are recorded every Wednesday at our Switch Gathering. Whether you missed it or you're just wanting to listen again, we're glad you're here. We pray this message helps you develop a faith of your own. Uh, You know, I don't know if somebody's told you this today or not, but I am really glad that you are here. I I am really thankful that you would take time out of a Wednesday night when the weather's getting a little bit nicer to make church a priority. Whether you chose to be here or not, I am thankful that you are here hanging out with us. And we are in the middle of a conversation that we are calling the good news, the gospel in six words. Does anybody remember what our six words are? Yes, sir. Come on now. Now, if that's not worth $20, I don't know what it is. But here's the thing. God, our sin, paying everyone life. It's easy. So if you think of the word gospel, you should be able to remember these words. And so the first week we saw that a gospel that doesn't start with God is no gospel at all. Then the second week we saw how our sins, our personal sins, have separated us from God. And then last week we saw that there's no amount of good deeds that you or I could do to get in right standing with God to be accepted in God's sight. And tonight, we're going to talk about a payment that had to be made in order for you and I to have a relationship with God. But before we do, I got a question for you. And the question is this, how do you react when you see blood? All right. So how do you react? Maybe you're at a a football game. You're watching WWE on TV. Somebody gets smacked in the face with a chair. There's blood. Maybe you've been to a game before. Maybe you've had a friend that fell, scraped their knee, scraped their arm. Or maybe you've seen some, you know, enormous amounts of blood. How do you react when you see blood? All right. That's the question for right now. Now, um, I am curious when you go to small groups for you to share how you react. I'm going to tell you how I react when I see blood. I love you. Love you. I'm glad that you're here. If it's your blood, I don't care as much. All right? I love you. Like, it doesn't bother me as far as, like, I can take control of the situation. You can be bleeding, like, profusively. I can, we can make things happen. It doesn't bother me. All right? But something changes When it's my own blood. When I see my own blood, uh, I become three-year-old little preschool girl. Okay? I freak out. And I'll tell you why. Did you know at the age of 16 in the state of North Carolina, you can legally donate blood. I turned 16 right after 9-11 back in 2011. That's how old I am. And uh, one of the things that happened right after 9-11 was there, the, the American Red Cross made this enormous plea for blood because lots of people had been injured. The bank of blood, I don't know why they call it a bank of blood, but they do. I don't know. Like, is there a teller? Like, are you type A? Are you type B? I don't know. Like, I don't know how it works, but uh, there's a bank of blood. And so they were like, the blood has been depleted. Please come and give and donate blood. I wish I could say it was out of the kindness of my heart that I decided that I wanted to donate blood, but it was not. 
It was when the teacher said, if you donate blood, you can miss third period. And I was like, math class? Yes, please. So I sign up to donate blood. The day comes. I go to first period, second period, and and go to lunch. Third period, I roll up in the gymnasium. And in the gymnasium, there are like multiple torture chamber devices ready to go. All right, so they sit you in this chair, and they explain... All right, you're listening, because one day you'll decide whether or not this is for you. They explain the things that could or could not happen to you because you decide to donate blood. I got to be honest, I was there for the cupcakes and the free t-shirt. I could have cared less. I was missing math class, sign me up, stick a needle in me, all right? So I sit in this torture chamber chair device, And the lady walks up to me, and this is what she says. I don't know if you're going in the medical field, but this is what she says to me. She says, it's a pleasure to meet you. I'm so excited, but I'm a little bit nervous because today is my first day. All right. I just want to give you a little piece of advice. If you decide to go into the medical field Your first day, don't tell somebody it's your first day. Go in there, and even if you don't know what's happening, act like a pro. So she says it's her first day. Again, cupcakes are on my mind and free T-shirt, no math class. I could care less. So she proceeds to try to find the vein. And she pokes, and she pokes, and she pokes, and she pokes, and finally... She's like, hey, we got it. I'm like, good, great. So she says, you're going to sit here. They give me this little rubber ball that you're supposed to squeeze to help the procedure go faster. And and so she says, you're going to sit here for a few minutes, and when you're full, I'll come by. We'll unhook you. You can go back to class. I'm like, not before third period, right? Okay. And so I sit there in the chair, and y'all, it happens. This is why I get woozy at the sight of my own blood. Sitting in the chair, and she says, I'll be back in a minute. She turns to walk away, and her foot gets tangled in the cord. Yes. We're talking immediate expulsion of the needle from the vein in the arm. And that, my friends is the last thing I remember. From this day, from that day till this day, if I have to get blood drawn, I look like a toddler at the dining room table. They strap me in. They strap my forehead to this thing because your boy is going to go out. I don't know why some of us react differently to the sight of blood, but we just handle blood differently. And I'm going to be honest with you tonight. Tonight, some of the things that we're going to say are a little bit graphic. They're a little bit gory, and they're a little bit in detail. And there's a reason for that. Because I want you to understand the payment that had to happen. Last week, we clearly saw that sin cannot be removed by our good deeds. There's no amount of good things. There's no amount of try hard, go to church enough, read your Bible enough that can get us in good standing with God. And so that brings up a great question. If, good, if not good deeds, then what removes sin? 
Because God can't have sin in his presence. And so if I can't work hard enough, then what in the world removes sin if not good deeds? And the Bible explicitly answers this in a way that most non-believers would totally think is weird. And if we're just being honest, even those of us as believers, we would say this is weird. Hebrews 9 says this. Without the shedding of blood... There is no forgiveness. Without blood, there is no forgiveness. Which brings up another great question. Why blood? Why not cotton candy? Why not those little chocolate gold coins? They don't serve a purpose, right? They're horrible. Why not something else? Why blood? And the reason is because blood represents life. If at the end of this talk we dismiss, you go to your small group room, you open the door, and there are pools of blood and blood all over the walls. It's not common for anyone to just go, I don't care, let's go on in. You immediately stop and you go, someone or something is dead. If you see enormous amounts of blood, because when you and I have blood in our bodies, we're alive, but that's why doctors and nurses and And emergency medical staff, they try to stop the flow of blood out of your body because without blood, there is no life, and blood represents life. And in this case, Jesus, our Savior, gave his life. And Jesus is the only one who could pay for sin. You can't pay for your sin. Your mom can't pay for your sin. Your teacher, your small group leader. Why Jesus? And this is a great question. Because Jesus is the only being that has ever existed that has both been fully God and fully man. Not 50% God and 50% man equaling 100. He was at the same time 100% God and 100% man. And God saw him because of the the life that Jesus lived. He saw him as an appropriate sacrifice for our sins. An appropriate payment for our sins. Jesus was the, the atonement, the payment for our sins. It's your theological word for the day. And atonement means to make a wrong right. To take something that is wrong and to make it right. To atone for it. And you and I were dead in our sins. And I don't know about you, but I've never seen a dead man help themselves. And so in order for you and I to be made right with God, something else had to happen. A payment had to happen. And this is not a payment that you can make. On the weekends, uh, Tiffany and Judah and I, we have certain things that we enjoy doing. And one of those things is going to Danville because it's a little closer to home. And we have a lot of restaurants that we love in Danville to eat. But one of the things that is signature to our trips in Danville is that if we go to Danville, we are going to stop in Target. Because we just love to spend $100, right? And uh, so we love to go through Target. And it doesn't matter if we're in the clothing section, if we're in the medicine section, if we are in the houseware section. My three-year-old son continually asks me, one thing. When can we go look at the Exactly. So because we love him, we we make occasional trips through the toy section at Target. And here's what I've learned about my three-year-old son. He doesn't walk around and ask for things. He goes around and goes, "Mm, me thinks I'm going to buy these logos. 
Methinks. It sounds like French, right? Methinks. That's Italian, right? I don't know. But methinks, uh, methinks I'm going to buy uh, this, uh, this Lego set. Methinks I'm going to buy this uh, uh, Paw Patrol toy. I'm like, so finally we get to the point where I'm like, hey, look at me. You looking at daddy? Uh, you ain't got no money. All right? You ain't got no money. You ain't never had no money. You don't have what it takes to pay for the items that you say you are going to buy. Now, out of the kindness of my heart, occasionally, because he's been good or because I love him, I will make a payment for him. You and I have no payment when it comes to sin. We are helpless, we are empty-handed, and we are left hopeless and dead in our sins. And Jesus, because God loved us, he sent Jesus to make the payment for our sins. First John on your handout says this. This is real love, not that we love God. I mean, of course we would love God. Look at what he's done for us. It's not that we love God. This is real love, that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. That's the payment that had to be made. So bottom line is that Jesus paid the price for our sins. Well, how did he do that? It goes back to where we started tonight. There had to be blood. If you've been around for Easter very long, if you've read your Bibles, if you've watched movies about the crucifixion of Jesus, then you are all too well aware that blood was involved. Uh, the Roman soldiers had this uh, device that was a handle with nine strips of leather extended from it. They called it a cat of nine tails. I don't know why, but most things evil have something to do with cats, right? Of course. It has a cat of nine tails. And on the end of these leather strips, they would have attached bone, little pieces of bone, broken glass. And what would happen is they would have strapped Jesus to this device... And the Romans would have hit Jesus 39 times. And, and the way that this end of these leather straps were wired is with these bones of, of uh, bits of bone and, and broken glass and metal, these leather strips weren't made to just graze the skin. Because of these devices on the end of it, they were made to latch onto the skin, dig into the skin, and take skin away with, with them. 39 times. Isaiah, that was written several hundred years before Jesus was even born, describes Jesus as being beyond recognition even to his closest friends because he was beaten so much. He was smacked. His hair was ripped out. His beard was ripped out. They hurled insults at him, and he did not do anything in return. They stripped him naked, they put a cross on his shoulders, and they marched him up a hill. They nailed him to a cross, and for six hours, he hung on that cross, desperate for his life. The way crucifixion worked is they would nail your feet and your hands, and they would make it just so your hands were just high enough above your head. When your collarbone is pressed against your esophagus, you can't breathe down here. And so Jesus would have had to have fought in agony to have lifted himself up, caught a breath, and fallen back down for six hours. But even the physical punishment 
wasn't the worst. For the first time in Jesus' life, he was separated from the Father. That relationship that had never been broken before, the Father poured out what they call a cup of wrath. I just want you to just picture pure wrath and anger on Jesus in this moment because of his sin? No. Because of your sin and my sin. It's not just your neighbor's sin. It's just not the sin that has been done to you. It is your personal sin that put Jesus there. And Jesus paid the price. When a lot of Christians look at the cross, they see multiple things. One of those things is when they see the cross, they see love. And they should because God loved the world enough that he gave his one and only son. But love is only half of the equation, students. There was also justice at the cross. A payment had to be made in full. And for six hours he hung there until he breathed his last and all hope was lost. He was dead. They took him down off. They buried him in a tomb. They considered it over and dead. But three days later he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead. And the resurrection proved that Jesus paid for sin in full. He paid for your sins and my sins. The payment was made. There's a lot of students that you are surrounded with on a daily basis that think that if they can do enough good things, if they can be a good enough person, then God's not going to send them to hell. It's just not true. There's, there's students that you go to school with that may believe a different way to God, and they think that all ways lead that direction or that their way is right and and we would say that that's just, not, that's just not true. Some of them think that if they can try hard enough, do enough good things, then they can pay for their sins. It's just not true. And God has placed you in the lives of other students, in the lives of maybe your dad, who's an unbeliever, your mom, who's an unbeliever, an aunt, an uncle, a cousin. If I say the word unbeliever, they're not a follower of Jesus. Hopefully, somebody in your family or your friend circles come to mind. And God has placed you in their lives to tell them that they don't have to make that payment and they can't make that payment. So I want to ask you this question as we close. Who is someone in your life that needs to know that Jesus paid for their sins. God sent his son. Our sins have separated us from God. And sin can't be paid for with good works. But Jesus paid for our sins. So who is someone in your life that needs to know this? Let me pray for you and then we'll go to small groups. We'll talk about this more. Jesus, thank you for tonight. God, I pray that as we are having this moment right now that someone is coming to mind. God, and I know the, ch the chances are that uh, immediately when we think about that person who is lost and without you, God, there's also a side of us that just really believes that there's no way that we could share our faith with them. 
We don't have the answers to all the questions. We're not smart enough. We're not capable enough. Let's bring them to switch. Let's bring them to church. Let's let a pastor do this, God. The chances of, of, of these students' friends ever stepping foot in switch is slim to none. But you have placed these students in these people's lives on purpose and for purpose. And if a student in this room is a believer, then the purpose is to share their faith with them. So God, as we go to small groups, would you help us to talk about the payment that was made for sins and that we don't have to make this payment, God, but you sent your son Jesus to pay for sins in full and the resurrection proves that. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.